Welcome to Talk World Radio, a half-hour discussion of politics as if the people mattered. I'm David Swanson. This week on Talk World Radio, we're speaking with Angelo Cardona, who is a multi-award-winning human rights defender and peace and disarmament activist. He's representative of Latin America in the Council of the Nobel Peace Prize-winning International Peace Bureau. He is co-founder and president of the Ibero-American Alliance for Peace, a member of the International Steering Committee of the Global Campaign on Military Spending, Youth for TPNW, Peace Ambassador of the Global Peace Chain, and a member of the advisory board of World Beyond War. Uh, I think we could go on, but that's enough. Uh, Angelo, welcome to Talk World Radio. Thank you for the invitation, David. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for the work you're doing. Uh, before we talk about war and peace issues in the world, uh, you've moved from Colombia to where I am. Why, why the move? And, and how do you compare the two places in terms of militarism and peace? Yeah, well, the main reason I've moved to the States is because I'm currently seeking asylum. Um, after launching the global campaign on military spending in Colombia last year, and we stopped the government from purchasing 24 warplanes that they were planning to, to put on the budget. And well, that brought several threats against um, myself and, all, and the Congress members that launched the petition with me. So that's why I've decided to move here. Um, yeah, that's pretty much the main reason. Now, in terms of uh, differences, well, I think, well, I, I mean, currently in the most militarized country in the world, so definitely there, there are huge differences. But something that I think is uh, very important uh, to highlight is that um, in terms of manifestation and uh, advocacy, I think you, you have more freedom to do it or kind of, I'll, I'll say, maybe from a, an outside perspective, maybe an activist here could comment more about that. But in Colombia, normally, if you are going to organize something, you, you have to be very careful uh, with what you say and think like three, four, five times what you say and the way you say it to make sure you, then you don't get in trouble. I'm not sure if that will be the same thing here, but for what I've seen, even uh, people organizing protests, they, they try to see if they if they can go uh, and get arrested and try to do some civic disobedience and it seems a common thing to do and i think i like that but yeah you mentioned congress members in colombia also getting threats are they fleeing the country or what are they able to do uh to protect themselves and who's going to carry on the work uh, of anti-militarism in colombia well, these uh, Congress members, they, I launched, I, I did a press conference with two of them. They normally receive threats, so they are pretty used to that, um, as they are uh, kind of from the opposition to the government, and they lived in exile, so they have pretty uh, robust security scheme already in place, so that's why like they are quite used to it but yeah for me if i'll request security the only thing i'll get is maximum uh, one bodyguard and uh, a piece of equipment so i don't think it will be that effective honestly 
right? But I think there's still there are uh, colleagues that are doing great work there. And in terms of demilitarization or anti-war, it's kind of hard in Colombia because this topic is not like a common topic. Most people focus on the peace agreement, uh, which I'm also involved in. But uh, in terms of uh, going against the military machine, it's, it's a little bit different because we have an ongoing conflict, right? So talking about demilitarization is crazy in Colombia. But we still continue with the work. With the work, I think it requires education because we live in a world where we have militarized minds. So since we are children, we are taught uh, this, uh, the army was made for security when we have this false narrative, right? This false narrative. And we grow up with that narrative. And I think it requires education. And it's one of the main uh, core um, topics or subjects that World Beyond World tries to tackle, which is something I love about the organization. I think it's so required. And I have colleagues that do that work in schools with teenagers. And that's pretty awesome. Yeah. And, and, and it's... It's a little strange or ironic that you that you have to flee a country for opposing military spending and weapons purchases uh, and you flee for safety. It's a very it's a very strange role the the United States plays in the world as as a, a, a foreign uh, affairs enterprise and as a place uh to live in it, 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 it ranks more, it, it ranks better in terms of domestic security and, and quote unquote peacefulness to live here in the United States. Uh, then of course it does as, as leading war maker and weapons dealer around the globe. Yeah, I, I know it's crazy because well, originally I wanted to apply for asylum in the UK, but when you step into a secure country, you are meant to be there. And the first country that I stepped outside was USA. I was coming for a Congress here. And when I started to contemplate that and checking with lawyers, they told me if you leave the US, you go elsewhere, then uh, in this other country, they will ask you why you didn't request asylum in the US. And the US is considered um, um, technically safer. So um, I think there is more freedom of experience expression is still if we, here we have these companies that make these uh, equipment so yeah I, I, I'm currently in that process so we will see how we, it goes you've uh, you've looked at I think the the new numbers put out by CIPRI the the Stockholm International Peace Research Institute uh, what do you make of the of the the annual figures uh, that have just come out on weapons dealing uh, around the globe? Well, it was pretty impressive to say that for the first time, we are exceeding the $2 trillion. And wow, I think is is incredibly amazing that we have all this money and that we spend all this money in militarism and we don't use this money to fund people's needs, to to fund education. I mean, we always have money when it comes to war, when it comes to military equipment, but we never have money to pay student loans, to provide a healthcare system, to support people. So it's this ironic and this uh, 
hypocrisy that we, that we see in our world. So I think is is uh, it makes me very ang angry, honestly, like to see that figure. It's crazy. It's crazy. And I think part of the state of the world and this crisis that we have right now is just because our governments are focusing so much in investing in militarism. And I think one of the lessons that we can take from 2020 and 2021 in the COVID-19 pandemic is that our priorities maybe are not in the right place. This false narrative for security has to change because how is it possible that we take so long to come up with a vaccine or to do their research and we don't have enough money to cover all that, but we have enormous amounts of money to spend more in killing people, in sending soldiers abroad. I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy. This, I think the world needs to start to look differently at how this approach of security does sell by uh, our governments and by the military industry. It definitely has to change and has to stop now. If we don't do uh, anything soon, probably we will see a catastrophe. Uh, I think we, we are certainly risking it. Uh, and when we talk to people about imagining a different approach, uh, generally, they yell and scream that you can't just imagine something that hasn't been done. Uh, and yet, in Latin America or in the whole world, you can look at examples like Costa Rica, which abolished its military 74 years ago and has benefited tremendously from having done so. And now Panama next door, no military, better off without it. Uh, not exactly the same situation as Costa Rica, but uh, doing well without a military, uh, what prevents other countries from, from seeing that and learning from that? Oh, I think, uh, the world tries to hide Costa Rica somehow. They try not to pay attention too much to it. No, even when I talk to people outside, they didn't even know that there was a nation without army. So I, I think it requires a lot of education i i'm consistent in that education educating humanity our minds are just so militarized by the propaganda by the media movies that it is kind of impossible for us to perceive a world without weapons a world without war and when you talk about it the people is you don't know what you're talking about it is just so hard to imagine a world of peace i think media and movies are, are really what are putting these image images in our mind so if we if we don't start to change that paradigm we are gonna leave for that always so i consist again education education educating people about costa rica has been one of my main core of factions in the past couple of years speaking about disarmament because I found people in Europe and even here in, in the USA that they didn't know that there was a country without army. And, and it's crazy that, that, that they, that our governments are, and schools are not interested about teaching these to our children or our teenagers. So this way we can start to prevent these uh, people going to war to risk their lives and, you know, to give their lives for a cause that is not even from them. It's just set in place by those in power. So educating our 
community and humanity will be the way forward if we want to to have more countries like Costa Rica and Panama that now enjoy, well, we're not going to say they are the best countries in the world and there is no violence or robbery or, you know, these are problems that all of us, we have. But without an army, we we are not sending our uh, ch- children and our youth to die in a foreign land without no reason, uh, become killers and I mean, is this false narrative that we have if, if we don't start to teach humanity about it? We are going in the wrong direction and we are seeing the results of that right now in the current state of the world. We're speaking with Angelo Cardona, peace activist uh, from Colombia in Virginia now, an advisory board member of World Beyond War and numerous uh, positions in the peace movement globally. Uh, Angelo, in terms of looking at the war in Ukraine and the the militarization and the support for NATO that's coming out of that, uh, how do people in Colombia, in South America, in people you're in touch with around the world, uh, view what's happening there? In Colombia, there is an ongoing discussion because um... Recently, the United States launched its report and Biden gathered with the president of Colombia, Van Duque, and they talked about making Colombia. Colombia is the first NATO ally ally in Latin America, and now the United States is pushing for Colombia to become the U.S. major uh, ally, uh, which is a non-NATO country. In this report, in this conversation that they they had in Washington, uh, we we uh, along with some members of Congress were wondering if this conversation involved Colombia hosting nuclear weapons from USA. We have issued this petition. We have asked the Ministry of Defense, both in the United States and Colombia. We have not received any answer, but we think we think that this meeting uh, involved that, involved maybe a sort of agreement for Colombia to host nuclear weapons in in this region of the world, which will be very strategic. Uh, But we think also this could escalate the conflict. If the United States puts uh, nuclear weapons in there, uh, certainly Russia is going to react. And Venezuela, as we all know, is, is a very supportive country of Russia. So this will definitely escalate the conflict. And maybe this will become the the scenario for a war in for the third world war. So we are very concerned Most about it. Most countries in Latin America are party to agreements uh making the area a nuclear free zone, correct? And under the non proliferation treaty from nineteen seventy the United States and Russia and everyone else are obliged to be getting rid of all their nuclear weapons, but also are not supposed to be proliferating them. Uh, and, and I think arguably, if you stick nuclear weapons in Colombia and say, oh, but they're not Colombian, they're still ours, you're still proliferating nuclear weapons. Is there is there not any legal strategy for opposing this? Yeah, I think that there should be. But the thing is that we, we, we don't know yet if, if Colombia is going to host them or if they are going to hide it. We don't know yet. We think 
might be one of the strategies. So that's why we have been trying to push for them to comment publicly if they are going to host or not nuclear weapons. And yeah, I think if that will happen, maybe Colombia and Venezuela could become a scenario for a potential escalation of war. So we are very concerned about it and we definitely see the effects of uh, the Ukrainian war in our countries, the inflation, uh, gasoline. I mean, uh, the prices of the, of the core uh, goods of the market are very, very high in, in Latin American countries. So we see a destabilization there. Yeah, we definitely see the effects of this war, even if we are in in this in this zone in Latin America. So that's pretty much how we perceive it. Is uh, is making Colombia a full member of NATO not part of the plans? Is is are the plans, as far as you know, to keep Colombia as a non-NATO ally, a friend of NATO, but not a NATO member? I think that's the plan that uh, United States is pushing for making Colombia the uh, major supporter of NATO outside of the of the alliance. So that that's what they want to do. They want to call it like that, and we don't know yet what that would entail in practical terms. But we think they they are trying to set up this scenario, and the most likely scenario that we see is the a scenario I mentioned before, hosting nuclear weapons. I think that will be the outcome of such uh, agreement. And would that be at existing bases or would new or expanded military bases be part of the plans? We think it could be, yeah. That that was something we, we were discussing. We're currently there are seven. Um, there could be uh, uh, setting up some new uh, bases closer to to Venezuela. And there is kind of a, a, an escalation of tension between uh, Colombia and Venezuela. So we, we think they will try to make it closer to the border uh, to kind of uh, protect uh, the interest of, of the United States. So, um, yeah, that, that's kind of concerning. But as of now, we don't have any public comment on it, despite letters that we have issued. And we are constantly monitoring that because is very, very concerning for for Colombia currently. So we don't want to, you know, take part on, on, on this war. We, we don't want to contribute to it in, in any way. So it's very concerning. It seems yeah. that a couple of weeks ago, I recall reading about the U.S. government having decided that Russian oil and Russian gas, Russian fossil fuels were the problem. Those were the fossil fuels that damaged the climate. The other fossil fuels from other countries are good and wholesome and healthy for us. And they actually were starting to talk to Venezuela about buying oil from Venezuela. And I was thinking, well, maybe they can finally make friends and stop the coup attempts over a agreement to to destroy the planet with with fossil fuels. What is there any hope there for for uh, for understanding and peace between the United States and Venezuela? Yeah, I, I read the same article. Probably, I was uh, very shocked when I read it, and I found it interesting because uh, now United States is so keen in, in fixing the relationship with Venezuela. I think there there are hopes 
for that, but I'll say what will wait more. I think for years, um, there has been so dark interest about making Colombia and Venezuela fi fight. Obviously, we know the, the military industry, right? And, but yeah, it, it, I, 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 it was a kind of helpful news, um, but I don't know how in practical terms that will be applied. I think they just had a meeting, but nothing has been decided more than what they tell to the public. Um, so don't know if that will actually happen. And, like and what do you what do you expect to become of of activism for peace and for justice and for democracy in Colombia? There there have been big protests and and big crackdowns, uh, and people who've done great work like yourself are having to flee the country. Uh, what uh, what can we expect in terms of uh, of building alliances with like-minded people uh, in favor of peace uh, in Colombia? Well, I think in Colombia, the peace movement is becoming very strong uh, and that's something helpful. But at the same time, I think these coming elections are going to be a hassle for what we have seen. Um, Gustavo Petro most likely will be the chosen as the next president of this nation. That will entail that, well, his, his promise uh, that he will uh, fully work on the implementation of the peace agreement. And we know that there are so many dark interests behind that that doesn't want that to happen. So the uh, head of the military forces in Colombia, uh, Mr. Zapatero, he's been advocating for uh, not have Gustavo Petro as the president. He's coming. And some people even say that Probably there could be a cop in the country. If there's a cop in the country, I think that will be a mess. That will be a mess, uh, just like it happened uh, decades ago when um, the period of La Violencia took place in Colombia, in which left and right they started to kill each other. I think that in Colombia, if that will happen, it will become a mess. And it still, it will, it will serve the dark interests of those who benefit from more in Colombia, the drug cartels and all these people. I mean, Colombia is a, unfortunately, due to its geographical position, it is going to be hard to see peace one day in there. And it still remains a challenge every single day or every two days. A social leader or a peace advocate is, is killed in the country. And the government remains pretty much silent about it. And that, that's something that we see. So it's pretty dangerous. And despite the, the peace movement is growing, I think also the number of kills are, are growing, unfortunately. And I don't think we see much reporting about it in the U.S. media. I don't know what you've seen since you've been in the U.S. in terms of reporting on Colombia, but it's certainly not as prominent as that on Ukraine. Uh, but the reporting on Ukraine does not go back to the current president there being elected, promising peace and upholding the Minsk II agreements and autonomy for for regions in the East. Uh, in, instead, it's all about the need for war. Uh, I, I, what can what can people outside of Colombia do to make themselves better informed and 
to assist those who are working for for peace and uh, and the safety of those working for peace in Colombia. Um, yeah, since I've been here, I don't see much coverage about it. And this is something I also find very uh, ironic in the world in which we live in. If something happens in the global north, and I think this is this kind of um, colonialist mind that probably we still have. If something happens in the global north, it is covered massively by media and all people talk about it. But if it happens in the global south, no much attention is paid to it. We see we see this this trend, and we have seen this. And so it, it's pretty hard. I think um, one of the things that that we can do if we are outside is writing about it. Those who who have the ability or the audience that they can reach out to, like to talk more about it and. I think uh, making pressure. There are some um, members of Congress here that are very supportive of the Colombian peace agreement, and they support a lot the the peace movement in Colombia. So we are kind of in touch with them, and they from time to time try to talk about it. But still, it doesn't get too much coverage in the media. And uh, when they make statements, when they go themselves to Colombia to speak with human rights defenders, with those in the front lines advocating for peace. So I think it's also this uh, narrative that we have. If, if it happens in the global north, then we pay attention to it. If it doesn't, then we don't. And we see this in the Middle East, in uh, African countries, and it's just a common trend. And I, I find it difficult to get rid of that unless there is someone pretty influential that can do something about it. And we see this even in activists. Like, I, I always put, I love Greta Thunberg and what she does, but I think it's a perfect example. She receives too much coverage, but in my country, I know of young kids that are doing amazing work and they get threats and they get killed and n never known on the media, never. I think these are the real heroes, not those who make the headlines, but those who are there anonymously working to to protect people's rights, to advocate for peace. And these uh, people die anonymously, unfortunately. And I think those are the real heroes that we should really pay attention to. And I know all people have pretty good intentions, but it's a perfect example I would like to put just how the world is, right? How this mindset that we have of colonialistic uh, is still mine, I think, I call it. So, yeah, that, that's pretty much it. It's kind of hard. It's still, I think the answer continues to be education, educating, educating humanity, educating people about it. Well, I am. I have some ideas I'll talk with you about, Angelo, about how World Beyond War and you might uh, might help to bring some attention to some of these people that uh, that that we should be paying attention to in Colombia. We've got just about uh, one minute left. What can people do to to follow what you're doing, uh, to keep up with your work, or to get in touch with you? Yeah. Um... Well, uh, you can uh, follow me on social media, Angela Cardona Off. I have also my own website, www.angelacardona.com. 
Well, there are also the organizations I'm part of. One of these is World Beyond World, IPB. So I normally try to uh, publish work there. And yeah, just get in touch. My email address also is angelo.cardona at alliancaibero.com. You can write in there and I'll be happy to answer any questions too. So uh, yeah, very, very excited to get in touch with this community. Terrific. Uh, Angelo Cardona, thank you very, very much for coming on Talk World Radio. Thank you, baby. This is Talk World Radio. I'm David Swanson. Take action at rootsaction.org. Help end war at worldbeyondwar.org. Read or listen to today's Peace Almanac entry at peacealmanac.org. All past shows can be heard at talkworldradio.org. Talk World Radio is produced in Charlottesville, Virginia, and syndicated by Pacifica Network. There is no way to peace. Peace is the way.